Listen, it's time now to hear the quiet revolution. Hello and welcome to a podcast series that envisions a new world of science, a transition of society based on learnings rooted very deep in time and tradition. I'm Florence Dunkel, your host through this podcast series and guide through the teachings, concepts, and conversations that are the quiet revolution, which has been building, expanding, growing, and is now breaking out to reach you. First of all, we need to begin with a recognition of the land. Of course, all education here in the United States takes place on indigenous land. But here in this valley, where we are in Gallatin Valley, it is a place that's been traditionally used by the Absalga and also by the Amscapipakani and at times by the Shoshone and the Northern Cheyenne, the Tististas and the Sutayo. But to Montana State University, there are lands all over Montana that are used by all the 12 federally recognized tribes in Montana. And so I'm grateful to my indigenous mentors who've helped me understand indigeneity and how to practice reciprocity with the land, the water, the air, and all the beings contained in it. My name is Florence Dunkel. I'm an associate professor of entomology in the Department of Plant Sciences and Plant Pathology at Montana State University. You may know me because I've started the Bug Buffet at MSU 33 years ago, and we've held it every year since then. Now it's a week-long event on campus, 4-H, schools, high schools, middle schools across Montana, even preschools near campus participate in the Bug Buffet and the related events each year. COVID-19 quarantines, though, are forcing us to learn to wait and to be creative. So the Bug Buffet 2021 is going to feature Native American food insects, and it's going to occur in October 2021 in conjunction with the opening of the Native American building on the MSU campus in Bozeman. Yeah, you know, I love food and I'm also a scientist. My research, teaching and outreach combines protozoology with entomology and natural products. But my life is invested in the next generations, my current students and former students at MSU and my nine total children plus grandchildren. I care about how we all are introducing each new generation to our friends. Our friends, the plants, the microorganisms, the birds, the fish, the mammals, the insects, of course, and other animals with whom we share the earth, the soil, the water. I care deeply that we know how to respect other, the other, to practice reciprocity with these human and non-human friends. With all our fellow humans, I hope that we can show the next generations how to celebrate the other and to see differences as opportunities to learn. I hope that we can relearn compassion and empathy for all. Imagine now that we're gathered around a campfire or we're just sitting outside listening to the wind or the birds preparing for their annual migration or listening to the zeet, zeet, zeet of the big grasshoppers I hope to soon put in my skillet 
on the campfire this evening. Imagine you and I and all of our friends and all of our children and all of our grandchildren and the whole family are sitting together. During this quarantine, like me, you may be spending time just imagining that. That kind of gathering that we no longer can really have with our friends, at least for the moment, with our friends and family. And this may be the longest separation that we've ever experienced from those people. Likely you are traveling less frequently, but we're learning how to learn from each other in different ways. Wherever I go, Montana, China, Africa, or my own father's village, southwest Sicily, near the coast of Africa, I take time to go and to sit and to listen. I listen with the people there who live close to the land, the people who raise food for their family and their community, and who hunt and who forage and gather. I try to listen and to learn. In this podcast series, we're going to do just that. We will bring together voices from the Native American nations in Montana and Wyoming, from Turkey, from Maryland, and from Mongolia. People who care about the challenges we are all facing right now in honoring the earth, the water, the air we share. There is a quiet revolution happening inside of us inside of our electronic devices and inside of the books and the articles we're reading and way deep inside of us too. People are listening to each other and to our friends who share their lives with us. The plants, the moss, the microorganisms, the communities of microorganisms that live so intimately together that we give them a special name, lichens. We are watching and we're listening to the polar bears to learn how to be resilient and to survive when the environment we grew up with and the food our family always eats disappears. So with our electronic devices, we can be sitting together, listening to each other by campfires or one-on-one -on -one to hear each other, to share ideas and to give empathy and passion. Robin Kimmerer has, with her best-selling book, Braiding Sweetgrass, taught many of us of many ages, teens and tweens and adults in the United States, how to love the earth, how to love it with reciprocity, how if we love the land in perpetuity, the land will give back to us in perpetuity. According to analysts at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, a nonpartisan think tank in Washington, D.C., we are experiencing simultaneously seven revolutions. We are experiencing these seven revolutions, and we're weary, actually, from this. And we've experienced them most of our lives, beginning with even the Industrial Revolution, which went through several phases in our lifetime, if you're my age, or at least that of our parents. We are in an economic revolution now. We've, uh, we're still in a major technical revolution, and in this past year, it's been particularly intense. Agriculture, how our food is produced, is in a revolution right now. And there's a spiritual revolution going on as we learn to love the earth with reciprocity that may be necessary if we're all going to survive. Yet, 
You know, there's an eighth revolution underway too. We are beginning to listen more and more carefully to our Native American and other indigenous colleagues. We are listening to these friends who have introduced us to other ways of knowing. Western culture scientists, ecologists, medical scientists, botanists, forest scientists are beginning to value the insights and data of native indigenous ways of knowing about climate change, about the tipping point that was predicted about a decade ago, and by those who live in intimate contact with the land. This revolution is a quiet revolution. It is the knowledge that has lived among us for more than several millennia. It is other ways of knowing. You know, it surprises me, and some of the surprise is coming from my students who are finding this, but there are really a lot of scientific journals that now recognize this form of knowledge. In fact, there's even a journal uh, published by the Pennsylvania State University called Other Ways of Knowing. It's knowledge that's developed over an incredibly long process, over many generations, by many, many hundreds of thousands of Native scientists. Do you remember the topic that we first talked about when we gathered today by the fire? Depending, oh, it might have been the evening, depending on where you're listening right now around this virtual campfire. But we talked about the bug buffet. A couple decades ago, my students started calling this annual event the Bug Buffet, but they could have just as well used the term traditional ecological knowledge and called it the TEK Buffet, and they would have been absolutely correct. Using edible insects as part of one's daily diet is a very ancient, actually a paleo practice. In fact, it's a practice older than humans, older than Homo sapiens themselves. In all the world, the only main collection of cultures that did not have, as far as we can tell, a tradition of edible insects were the Europeans. Well, minus the Sicilians, the Italians, especially in Tuscany, the Sardinians, the Corsicans, and even the Germans. You know, we all like our local specialty cheeses, and through a process of native science, which is simply other ways to know and discover particularly delicious cheeses could be produced with the help of specific species of insects or their close cousins, the cheese mites. The use of insects of, as food is global. Over two billion people, almost one third of the world's population, deliberately eat insects as part of their normal diet. And of course, so do my husband and I, and a lot of my students and a lot of people now in the United States. The cultures of Western civilization, however, have been pretty dominant around the world. And many cultures have deliberately forgotten their use of insects as food. Deliberately forgotten is another way of saying met up with people who had a worldview that did not accept the other, other concepts of what is food and what is not food. Before this global epidemic of accepting as food only Western concepts of food, there were many species that were commonly used for food. 
Scientists now respectfully have retraced their steps with appreciation of other ways of knowing and have found at least 2,000 species of edible insects in use at this time in the world. This number, confirmed by Western culture scientists, has actually doubled since I began looking at this about three decades ago. The data from these Western culture scientists is still not universally accepted by other Western culture scientists because of some gatekeeping or maybe some innate bias, so I don't know. In this podcast series, we're going to explore other ways of knowing. First, we're going to go to a family farm in Busby, Montana, and listen to Linwood Talbull, an elder of the Northern Cheyenne, the Tististas in the Sutail. Then, while we're there, we will also listen with another elder, Kathleen Beartusk, and we will sit and listen with Anthony Whiter, an electronic archivist at the Heritage Center on the campus of Chief Dullknife College. From Lame Deer, Montana, we will travel to Fort Washakie, Wyoming, to sit and listen with Jason Baldus, coordinator of the Shoshone and the Northern Arapaho free-ranging buffalo herd on the Wind River Reservation. From Wyoming, we will head to Madison, Wisconsin, where we'll encounter a scientist from Istanbul, Turkey, Dr. Burju Alpakin. From Madison, we'll travel to Maryland, and we'll sit and we'll listen with Dr. Hiram LaRue, an entomologist who spent his career listening in the USDA. Hiram also continues to listen in land-grant universities across the United States. From the DC area, we'll travel across the Atlantic Ocean and across most of Mongolia, where Badamagarva Dovchin lives in a yurt with her husband. Lucky for us, Badma is a PhD student right now at Montana State University, so we'll be able to listen with her on the MSU campus. Her life mission is to facilitate communication between Mongolian National Park Service and the nomadic herders of the Darhad Valley in northern Mongolia. Those are her people, her home, and her land. Then we're going to circle back to Montana to the St. Ignatius home of Avery Old Coyote. Avery will share with us his growing up as an Amsaoka youth and a Salish Native American, and especially we're going to hear about his journey, his journey to make sense of the Western culture, of Euro-American thought systems, and Native science. Well, we've been sitting around this virtual campfire now for a while, and the embers are glowing. There's a chill coming down uh, from Highlight Canyon into the plain here, where we began our virtual gathering. So I'm going to invite you to come with me to sit around the fire with Linwood Talbull in Busby, Montana, and he'll be sharing his stories with us. Linwood is an elder and an ethnobotanist of the Tisistas and the Sutayo, the Northern Cheyenne. See you at the next campfire. This podcast was born out of a graduate class at Montana State University where students decided the conversations they were having 
should be shared with a larger audience. The podcast is produced by Jackie Coffin and Jacob Zimmerer. The executive producers are the core teaching team of this class. Avery Olkayot, Jason Baldus, Hiram LaRue, Bada Magarev Dovchin, and Dr. Burju Alpakin, and me, Dr. Florence Dunkel. Let us hear from you. You can write us at our email, thequietrevolutionpodcast at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook. And thank you for listening.